Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Waffle Press Podcast. Retrospective. No, that's not it. (laughs) (laughs) I can't... When did doing the intros become so desperate and sweaty and just... (laughs) I have no idea. Clumsy. Hello, welcome to the Waffle Amblin Happy Retrospective. (laughs) Retrospective on Sandler and Steven Spielberg. (laughs) With me, as always, is Diego... And a lot of anxiety, I guess. What could possibly be causing anxiety in 2020? Oh, God. Where do we start? Uh, I'm your host, Diego Crespo. Who's with me? This is Matt Garingo. Yay. I just took what are we... I just took some medicine. Oh, okay, good. I have coffee and tea, just in case I run out of one or the other. I'm not supposed to mix my medicine, but sometimes I do. No, no. <laughs> no, you, no, you don't. No, don't be blood. Hey. <laughs> party over here. Well, I can tell you a little bit of why we have some anxiety. It's because we're talking about Steven Spielberg's Raiders of the Lost Ark, a film that absolutely everyone on planet Earth has talked about at some point. Yeah, you, you, don't need, you don't need us to, so good night. <laughs> Yeah, uh, honestly, this might be a shorter episode just because, like, what else do we add to this conversation? Dead air. So, to be honest, Matt and I were talking a little bit before this episode, trying to figure out, what do we do? What should we talk about? Actually, we didn't talk about anything we were going to do on this episode at all in the 30 minutes we spent bullshitting (laughs) before (laughs) recording. That's true. I don't want to say... a little bit about it before. I don't want to say we talked about Star Wars again, (laughs) but we might have. Yeah, that tends to happen, just like in our lives now uh i don't know why but it might have something to do with the movie because it's literally easier to talk it's easier to talk about than anything happening currently you're probably right uh so let's start at the basics oh my god i have such a headache i was fine all day i suddenly have a headache i can't imagine why matt where were you when you saw raiders of the lost ark for the first time how the fuck should i know do you want to try that again? This movie's from 1981. <laughs> I was born in 93. Yeah, but you saw it for the first time at a certain point. How old, how old do you think I am? You, you fucking challenging me? 85 years old. Not inaccurate. How old were you when you first watched Raiders of the Lost Ark? I actually have no memory of the first time I saw this movie. Alright. So that that's a good hole that we just went down. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I Did would... you know that you can't get the Disney show Pepper Ann on Disney Plus? They're actually withholding a lot of stuff. Yeah, it's fucked up. Yeah. I mean, I'm it's... sure they'll like transfer it, transfer it and they'll like just zoom in on it to make it fit the screen and fuck up the aspect ratio. And you and Pepper Ann was never released on DVD. Pepper Ann has lost the time. You're wow, that's not inaccurate. <laughs> you can oh, find it on YouTube. Okay. And, yeah. And now, now YouTube's doing this weird thing where now, like, they they pass some rule about like to appease all the people complaining about children seeing pornography or something. 
And so now, like, any video that's meant for children, like, the comment section is turned off, and if you minimize the screen at all, it stops playing. Yeah, I don't know. I was probably like... eight, I was probably eight years old when I saw Raiders. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> I have the Wikipedia page for Bombshell open. Do you want to run this episode? Do you know how? Did you know Alice Eve is in that? <laughs> no, actually, but I've been wondering where she went. Well, there you go. I'm not watching Bombshell. <laughs> Um, George Lucas wrote a treatment called The Adventures of Indiana Smith in, like, 73. Like, while he was still developing Star Wars. And he tried to make it with uh, Philip Kaufman, who I believe is the guy who went on to do the Invasion of the Body Snatchers remake, which is a good movie, if you haven't seen it. That's my favorite version, actually. Um, alright. And then it... it it, okay. Uh, <laughs> I we were going to go down a rabbit hole for a second. Never I was on track, and then you were like, hey. Oh, oh, okay, so now you're on track. Okay. And uh didn't happen, then it did happen, and they made the movie. <laughs> yeah, I think everyone knows the urban legend of Raiders of the Lost Ark. Do you know it? Uh, I don't think I actually do. Okay, well... When Close Encounters and Star Wars were coming out, George Lucas and Steven Spielberg both took a vacation together. And according to some versions, some versions, they were both trying to avoid reading early reviews. Some versions, they knew that both movies were a success, and that's why they went on the vacation. I don't know which is true. But uh, Spielberg talked about how he called up uh, Cubby Broccoli, who was the guy who controlled uh, the rights to all the James Bond films, the Broccoli family still controls the James Bond films. And he was like, hey, I'm Steven Spielberg. I just did Jaws and Close Encounters. I would like to do a James Bond movie. And the Broccoli family said, no. And he was, he was relating this to his buddy George Lucas, and George Lucas said, well, don't worry, I've got a better character than James Bond. And then he pitched him Indiana Smith. And Spielberg was like, yeah, I'd like to do that. And then he did 1941 instead. It's this is it's always weird with both George Lucas and Steven Spielberg like both inflate their own legends a lot. Every movie they make always like it's some sort of story, you know. Like mm-hmm. it's never just like oh we we wrote a script we thought it would work and then we made the movie. It's like <laughs> it was a fateful evening on the beach in Hawaii. <laughs> like it's always got to be that. But this legend like conveniently just goes like. Yep, Spielberg made Jaws, and then he made Close Encounters, and then he made Raiders of the Lost Ark. <laughs> and tries to, like, erase 1941. And, you know, it's, it, I, I wouldn't erase 1941, honestly. I, I, I'm, uh, I'm actually quite proud of the episode we did on that. And uh, there's definitely still positives to take away from it. Uh, and I'll save it for, for the sequel to this film, but I could see some 1941 uh, influence in that one in particular. Uh, well, 1941 does factor in. It's a little important to all this because uh, famously, you know, this is 1941. While it wasn't like a out and out bomb, it was a very it considered like an underperformer for Spielberg, and it was like the third movie he had done in a row where costs had like overrun um, significantly. Um, and this is be, this was starting to become a thing with a lot of the new Hollywood directors. I mean, like Coppola's just done Apocalypse Now, 
uh, Martin Scorsese, New York, New York went out of control. Um, Coppola's getting ready to do uh, One from the Heart, which is famously like, he was like, I want to do a low-budget musical. And then that budget, like, ballooned, and then that movie, I don't even think, made a, a million dollars at the box office. And that kind of, like, fucked his career forever. Um, and then, of course, Heaven's Gate is, like, a, like two years after this. Mm, um, which that's, is the other. That's, like, the one. Yeah, and it might have even been, like, they might have been starting, because Heaven's Gate notoriously had a long production. So, who knows. But... Yeah, this is this is the new Hollywood burnout had started. So it's just crazy to think about that at a time it was like George Lucas and Steven Spielberg, the two most successful filmmakers of all time, want to team up for a project, and it was still like a very difficult sell to studios. And it kind of shows that not a lot changed in the industry because both of them still had trouble like getting stuff made. Uh even recently, Lucas, I don't think, is interested in making stuff anymore. But Spielberg, you know, it took him decades to do West Side Story. Yeah. But if you look at the directions the two filmmakers go in, uh, Spielberg gets, you know, he starts getting all his movies made for like the next 20 years. <laughs> and then Lucas doesn't make another movie until Phantom Menace, like that isn't. Like, he doesn't come up with anything... Like, he produces, like, the Radioland murders. <laughs> and that's, like, it. Have you seen that movie? Um, no. I thought it was gonna be on Disney+, Plus, but it wasn't. Oh, okay. Well, I, I actually like that movie. <laughs> is, is it alright? It, it seemed like something that maybe would have been, like, a good screwball comedy. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's it's not it's not amazing, um, but it it's a good time. I, I think people would be really surprised uh, whenever it wherever it ends up like streaming on digital because because it is Lucasfilm, so <laughs> it's somewhere there. Do they own Howard the Duck? They yeah, I believe they do own Howard the Duck. Like, technically and because that's Lucasfilm and Marvel. Yeah, but Universal made it. Oh, maybe they don't then. Because uh, the famously the know. the uh, the um, possibly fictional story is that executives got into a fist fight when the numbers for um howard the duck came in because <laughs> that was the time you know it was, it, that was like the third one where it was like george lucas he's got star wars and then he's got raiders so whatever he does next we have to do and it was like howard the duck yeah no then never mind maybe that'll that'll be on uh the peacock because that'll be the nbc universal streaming service is that what they're calling it yeah, Peacock. Good Christ. Yeah, I know. It's going to tank so bad. <laughs> um, is it? I mean, what streaming services are you paying for? Uh, Netflix and Amazon. Okay. All and right. Then I use uh, Family's HBO, and then I use Gene's Disney+. Plus. Okay, all right. Then never mind. There's like I thought... five people that use that account. Are, are, do you have DCTV? No. Okay, I thought you did. I thought I saw you tweeting about that. No, no, no. I saw the first episode of uh, Doom Patrol. This is not about Raiders of the Lost Ark at this point. This is fine. But I saw the first episode of Doom Patrol, and I was like, that was pretty good. Yeah, it looked, it looked like good. It. Yeah, yeah, I'm a big Brendan Fraser fan, and I'm I'm glad he's getting a little comeback now. It's, it's overdue. Brendan Fraser is, uh, is relevant because he did those Mummy movies, uh, which is kind of just, what if we did Raiders of the Lost Ark but put a mummy in it? <laughs> That yeah, which yeah, isn't the, I, I isn't for the first one isn't the worst idea, frankly. 
Yeah, no, I always wanted Indiana Jones to get, like, straight up, like, consistently supernatural, like, throughout the entire adventure and not just at the end. So for me, like, as a kid, like, I'm always going to have a big soft spot for that first one. So you want the there... you want the George Lucas version of Indiana Jones 3 where he's in a haunted castle? Honestly, yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know, man. Um, I, I love his admiration for like that uh that adventure serial shit where it's just like a different genre every week you know we'll get into it but i think temple of doom like halfway through kind of just becomes a horror movie (laughs) (laughs) yeah i yeah then you're not you're not gonna get disagreement from me and i think another entry would have benefited if it had leaned more into its genre a little earlier than it did in the final product but we'll get to that one in like a year (laughs) I can't imagine what you're talking about. Hey, now. Anyways, I do think it's funny that, like, I guess according to the filmic legend, that, like, oh, Jewish Lucas couldn't get the rights to Flash Gordon, so he made Star Wars. They want to make James Bond? We can't. Oh, well, then I'll just make Indiana Smith. <laughs> Except that was not the name that stuck with the character or the franchise. Yeah, someone eventually realized that was a bad idea. Yeah. <laughs> like, imagine an alternate universe, like, the adventures of Indiana Smith... Doesn't doesn't quite roll off the tongue. Doesn't have the same punch. There are some inspirations for Indiana Jones that are not that interesting, but I just think it's kind of fun to talk about because I wanted to be an archaeologist at one point when I was a little kid. Uh, a healthy double billing of Jurassic Park and Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade solidified that for me. That was my obsession as a kid. Dinosaurs and archaeology. And then I grew up and I was like, hey, I'm not that smart. <laughs> so I'm not going to do that. <laughs> George Lucas modeled Indiana Jones, of course, after the the 1930s matinee serial heroes. And uh, he was also inspired by archaeologists like Hiram Bingham, Roy Chapman Andrews, and Sir Leonard Woolley. Do you know any of those names? I know Woolley. Sir Leonard Woolley was the the archaeologist whose excavation of the ancient Sumerian city of Ur, uh, which is in modern Iraq, uh, greatly advanced the knowledge of ancient Mesopotamia for um, for the field of archaeology. And then uh, his discovery led to, like, geological evidence of a great flood, which kind of, like, has a correlation, of course, with the book of Genesis and the Bible and the Old Testament. So he's, like, uh, I think that's where, like, kind of the religious angle comes from, at least for Indiana Jones. Mm-hmm. Hiram Bingham was a an archaeologist and politician who uh, initiated the scientific study of Machu Picchu, yeah. the ancient Inca site in remote parts of uh, the Peruvian Andes. So that was like, you know, of course, another big thing. And then Roy Chapman Andrews gained national fame as an explorer for the American Museum of Natural History in New York. Oh, and I should also mention that Hiram Bingham was the National Geographic's first archaeological grantee. So, like, he's kind of the one that, like, kickstarts the whole um, thing in the the, uh, the 20th century. I don't know. I just, I just think that stuff's really interesting. It's not that fun to talk about in wasn't the podcast. The, uh, wasn't the guy um, who the Lost City of Z was based on, wasn't he one of the inspirations, too? Uh, probably. Let Cause me I, see. Because I remember... Cause I like uh, that movie a lot, too, I remember, so I should get this right. When they were uh, marketing that movie, they talked that up, where it's like, this is the real Indiana Jones, but they, they probably do that with, like, everyone. That's Percy Fawcett. 
uh, in the lost city of Zed. I guess that's the, the proper way to pronounce it, but everyone sounds like a pretentious asshole, unfortunately. Well, no, it's that. not. That's that's how they say it in like England and Canada, right? Yeah, yeah, and I guess when you when you get it right for other countries in America, that's viewed as like pretentious for some reason. Lost City of Z just sounds cooler, frankly. No offense to the other peoples. Yeah, no offense to the Zeds. Um, Zed heads. He was the Zed heads. Uh, Percy Fawcett was a possible inspiration for Indiana Jones. He's in a a novelization of an Indiana Jones sequel book, Indiana Jones and the Seven Veils, where I guess they team up. Well, all right. Kind of goofy, uh, but he's apparently a bigger inspiration on a Arthur Conan Doyle's Professor Challenger from mm-hmm. The Lost World. Oh, okay. Yeah. Did you know that President John Quincy Adams believed the Earth was hollow and he tried to fund expeditions to the center of the Earth? I love that so much. <laughs> I just, I love that classic adventure serial stuff, you know? Like, that's why I really love the Atlantis movie that Disney did that, like, bombed horribly. <laughs> Because, mm. like, I love movies where it's like, I'm funding an expedition to the center of the Earth or, like, an uncharted island and shit. So, like, Indiana Jones was so clearly, like, a big staple for me growing up. And even now, like, I love shit like The Rocketeer, which is obviously inspired by stuff like Indiana Jones. The movie. I know the comic was technically before that, too. Um, and I don't know. I just, I it takes a lot for me not to love a movie or story that has this kind of vibe. Uh, like, it, it it would really need to fuck up. That's the problem with me, because when watching this, um, I realized, I mean, I didn't really realize, but it really reminded me how we've kind of just been doing Indiana Jones movies for the past 30 years. 40 years, almost. 40 years next year. And I'm not sure I'm happy with that. Are you talking like structurally, like structurally? Start with an action, like the, the, I, you know, I wrote out the whole structure of the movie just while watching it. Which you know, I probably could have just googled that because I'm feeling like other people have done it. But um, if you want to talk about a main inspiration on probably J.J. Uh, Abrams' film style, it's more Raiders of the Lost Ark than anything else. Okay, so this is. I was going to try to save this, but this is kind of my post, like, revisiting beef with it. It's kind of like my opinion on Dark Knight, where it's like, yeah, no shit, that's one of my favorite movies, like, ever. Still, like, I think it's it's a great one. Like, one of the true greats. But the inspirations tend to get it, or the, the things that it inspired tend to get it wrong. I don't even know if I'd go so far as to say get it wrong. I just think that... They when they made this movie they they cracked the code on how to make an exciting movie. And we've just been doing that ever since. And you're going to make an exciting movie every time you do it, frankly, if you do it right. And they do it right more often than you'd think. But it still ultimately ends up being kind of the same movie over and over again. And I, you know, I'm not against, like, every now and then you gotta do a movie like this, but, uh, yeah, maybe you should mix it up a little. <laughs> and, uh, maybe we should stop, I, I, I'm all for stopping doing movies that open with an action sequence. Well, I think especially now, 
where every movie needs to be like movement, 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 action, action, action. Uh, and it only really stops for like plot developments. There's very little time for like character room to breathe. Yeah. I'm, I'm all for movies really taking their time. Like, you know, like a couple years ago, we just got Blade Runner 2049. And it's like kind of a miracle that that exists. Cause like that's a two and a half hour long movie with like so little action. Yeah, but that's also like it takes place in a different arena, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think another big problem today is that it's that classic thing of there's, you feel like a massive gulf between the action scenes and then even when there are character scenes, like they just feel like they're two different movies and you're flipping between the channels the whole time. And mm-hmm. the action is just there as an excuse for action. It doesn't actually build anything. Whereas here, what usually really works about this is that you feel Indiana Jones constantly, like, that he's exhausted by the end of this fucking movie. <laughs> and that really helps it. Whereas I feel like a lot of movies today don't know how to do that as well. Um, probably because well, there's, that he... there's no he real might... follow-through on a lot of them. No emotional follow-through anyway. Yeah, I mean, that's obviously the big criticism that Abrams gets because, like we talked about in Rise of Skywalker, like, J.J. Abrams has seen, like, four movies, and it's the original Star Wars trilogy and Indiana Jones, Mm -hmm. you know, Uh, Raiders in particular. But um, his worst films also tend to just not have, like, any build-up or payoff to the the action. You know, like, they move on from one action scene to the next, they gotta, everyone runs... That's that's every act break. Everyone's running from something and like, oh, move on to the next scene. That's how they transition. And here it's like Indiana Jones basically stumbles like ass backwards out of problems. Yeah. And he's like, he's not just exhausted by the end of the movie. He's exhausted by like one action scene. Like people, I think, forget that the beauty of Indiana Jones is that he's a he's an idiot with the heart of gold and he's just very tired all the time. <laughs> I don't know. I heard someone describe Indiana Jones as this, which I don't remember who. This is not my idea, but it's the best description I've ever heard. Where he's a nerd trapped in an action hero's body. <laughs> and that kind of seems to be accurate. Which is also why I think he's so appealing. Uh, especially maybe our generation. I feel like there's there are two kinds of people in the world. There's Indiana Jones people and James Bond people. Mm-hmm. And I feel like different, you know, there's, I feel like the nerdier ones, they like to fancy themselves more Indiana Jones because he's kind of like cerebral. His, his motivations are knowledge, essentially. Like he makes money, but he is like excited about what he's doing. Whereas James Bond just, it's an excuse for him to just kill people. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, all right. I I like that read. Uh, I'd like to figure out where that's from. But I'm yeah, I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. I can't remember who said that. Um, no, no, no. You know, whatever. You it was know. a really good point. Whoever made it. Um, yeah. Uh, cinematic inspirations, though. I think a lot of people know Humphrey Bogart is the basic look mm-hmm. of uh, the Indiana Jones character, and Humphrey Bogart really is like the forerunner for not just Indiana Jones, but also a character like Han Solo. Um, if you see movies like Casablanca, The Maltese Falcon, and uh, especially The Treasure of the Sierra Madre. And I find that one particularly interesting in this context because you know what the other film that is in, it, that Humphrey Bogart's character um, in Treasure of the Sierra Madre directly inspired? 
No. There will be blood. Wow. So Daniel Plainview and Indiana Jones share some connective tissue. Wow. <laughs> and when you see in the film, when you see Jones's like feverish excitement over unearthing either the Ark or more clues to where the Ark could be, you can kind of see it. Oh, and that he, is shifting my entire perspective right now. And you can see, I mean, if you go back, have you seen Treasure of the Sierra Madre? Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, Humphrey Bogart's like insane in that movie. <laughs> so, like, just how he's like totally caught up in the pursuit of all the gold dust or whatever. Is that, is that the, the uh, excuse me, is that the movie with the line... Um, if the world were made of gold, men would die for a handful of dust. Or am I mixing that up? That could be that movie. I could. I. I'm not remembering. Okay, I might have might have fucked that up. But well, like, I don't um, know. That's a really good line, and that kind of reminds me of ultimately Raiders too. I mean, that's yeah. kind of the message there. Um, with di- different different outcome because it's about you know like it's faith based uh, more so than wealth but i guess there's like a wealth and knowledge and faith that's kind of the end goal here too i don't know we'll, we'll talk a little bit more we, about we'll, we'll probably have to save it i think uh if we save it for um temple of doom would be better but we are going to have to talk about the ethics of archaeology at some point discussing the indiana jones films uh yes and it- i think that's I mean, do you want, do you want to save that? Because yeah. I, I got I got notes on that. Um, I just think Temple of Doom it might work better in. Uh, okay. Or even Last Crusade because that's literally called the Last Crusade. <laughs> but yeah, I just I, I just want to let people know that that will eventually come up. So we should talk a little bit about what the actual plot is of the film, even though people already know it. But I feel like we don't talk about the synopsis enough on this show, and that's probably my fault. But I'm not going to take the entire blame for it. Uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark follows the adventures of Indiana Jones as he searches for the Ark of the Covenant, the mystical object from uh, the the Bible. They're looking for the Ark of the Covenant, which is the, uh, basically it's a box, but it carried uh, the shattered remains of the Ten Commandments in. And uh, according to this movie in the Bible, uh, opening the ark was enough to like destroy mountains and do stuff but we don't really know what it is that's kind of the mysteries that we we have to see what's inside the ark um but uh the nazis are after it because they believe whoever has the ark um will take over the world which we're jumping ahead but that's a that scene um where they just have to explain what the fuck is going on is just brilliantly done Oh, the scene with the government agents, yes. Uh, one of them played by Porkins from Star Wars. Yeah, justice for Porkins. Just, no, fuck Porkins. <laughs> no, his name's Porkins, he has it bad enough. Yeah, but that guy, he was fucking, he could have ejected. In space. They keep saying he sells them to eject, so I don't know. I don't, Star Wars doesn't make sense. Look, I'm glad Porkins, uh, Admiral Akbar, and Snap Wexley are all dead. No, Snap Wexley was the Chad. It should have been fucking what's his face, the 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 old guy that comes back. Oh no, not Wedge Antilles. Yeah. Wedge. No, Wedge is the best. Yeah. No, the Chad Snap Wexley versus the Virgin Wedge Antilles. That's fuck that. 
No, the, the old guys all should have died off. That's the problem with Rise. We're not getting it. No, they, what the fuck? What the fuck are you talking about? I'm so right about that movie. What the fuck? But whatever. I don't know what the fuck that even means. Anyways. <laughs> so Porkins is explaining things to Indiana Jones. Did you know? All right, so this movie's produced by Frank Marshall. This has nothing to do with what you were talking about. Um, which I believe this is his first collaboration with Spielberg. Um, yes. But speaking of Star Wars, uh, we forgot to mention on the 1941 episode that that is where uh, John Milius's assistant, um, Kathleen Kennedy, first met Steven Spielberg and then became his assistant. What the fuck are we doing? I have no idea. I can't figure this out. I have no idea how to approach this movie. Yeah. Um... Because like, we could go through the plot, but it's like everyone talks... Everyone knows this plot. Everyone knows everything about this movie. This is one of those movies that's like fucking worshipped by everyone. And I'm not trying to say it shouldn't be, but we gotta move on from a movie at some point. I feel like everyone's chasing fucking Raiders of the Lost Ark. And it's a mistake. Uh, trying I, to make something new. Yeah, I, I do. Think I, that's... I got so when I was watching this, and this is a movie I love, but I got so annoyed watching it because I could just see like every movie that tried to be this afterwards, and it, it's very it's bothersome because it's also like it's just a very simple. It, basically, this isn't a complicated film. It's they they came up with a very great setup. And then they just came up with all the action scenes they wanted to do. And then found a way to loosely connect them. And then they took literally everything they couldn't do and in the first one, because it didn't fit, and just put it in the sequels. <laughs> That's it. That's Indiana Jones. You know what? Here, this is the angle. This is thank you, Matt. This you you've saved this episode. Um I think we keep talking about this a lot with a lot of these retrospectives too. Just, like, don't keep trying to do what's been done already. Not that there's anything wrong with it, you know? Like, you even mentioned, like, it's nice to have comfort food-type movies, you know? Just like, oh, that was a really great version of that. Or this was a really great film in the style or something like that. But you also want to keep trying new things and, like, expanding on what's come before. Not in story, not in, like, franchises or any of that shit either. Like, even aesthetically, just, like... Hey, I really like this. I would like to make something that was inspired by this, you know? Like, Indiana Jones was inspired by a lot of the things. It should be inspiring new things also. Yeah. And things aren't also given the opportunity to be made uh, in the same, like, from, from the same type of, like, inspiration as well. I think that's important to realize, too. In terms of inspiration, one thing this movie does, and one thing the original Star Wars does is it basically goes like, you know, Lucas was harkening back to the serials, but he, what he's really doing is going, what if those serials were actually good? I mean, not to like diss on them too much, but they aren't the most well-made things. Um, very B-picture, very low budget, and these are kind of like idealized versions of... It's like watching all those movies as a kid and going, what if there was like a perfect version of them? And I think when they did it, you know, it was the last time you could do it. And now everyone's just kind of, like, doing lesser versions. 
uh, or versions with a slight twist. I mean, we start getting like buddy cop films later, and then we start getting like diehard ripoffs. But it still feels like we're very much in this. We're in we're in Raiders of the Lost Ark world, basically. That and Star Wars. And we've been making those two movies forever now. And we just reached like the precipice of like the worst type of films that get inspired by those. Like The Rise of Skywalker is very clearly like Star Wars, but also Raiders. Yeah. Like Poe's getup is literally just Indiana Jones. And it looks good. I like it. I like that look for him. But it's also like it's fucking it's it's fantasy. You could do anything. <laughs> And it chooses to do those. Wrong instincts for a final film. Mm-hmm. And... But, I mean, yeah, like, I mean, we're talking about the other movies about, you know, trying to... They have a map for Luke Skywalker, I mean. That's in that's an Indiana Jones plot. <laughs> and then they just threw some Chosen One bullshit on top of there. And I don't mean Chosen One as in, you know, like, Anakin Chosen One, but just, like, narrative Chosen One. Yeah, and I was just, like, gushing about how I love, like, the vibe of a movie like this. But, you know, it's time to to move on Mm -hmm. a little bit, you know. And, I mean, fucking the first Captain America is just Indiana Jones. Yeah. You know. This is one of those movies where I feel like, I feel like as I get older, I'll watch, like, I love watching videos that break down the editing of this movie because it's some of the best ever. Uh, Pacing, structure, every action scene is done like the best way it could it's always creative there's no shot in this movie that isn't like 110 percent you know even a simple scene of a character just like you know drinking at a bar is is done uh with such emotional strength that it's kind of incredible, and I feel like, you know, but I don't know. I think I might be done revisiting Raiders of the Lost Ark for a little bit. Oh, good thing we're not talking about its three sequels. I know, yeah, well, you know what? I've watched all of them less, so I might be a little more excited. Because, mm. like, you know, there's stuff here, like, the main thing that's going on in this movie is there's a push-pull in it with Indiana Jones where he, uh, the main character, um, I mean, the uh, the romantic lead, Marion, um, who is someone who he had an, a, a relationship with when it's implied when she was underage. Yeah, which is a, a very skeevy, very strange uh, thing to have in this. Um, and he was eventually pulled away for whatever reason and basically abandoned her. And so when they cut, when their lives collide again, there's this pull. It's like, well, is Indy gonna chase after the Ark or is he gonna end up with Marion? Like, Mar- like you know. The, to put it in really simple terms, Marion is the true treasure. And the Ark is not. Uh, but even then, even that, like, which is, you know, you can point to it and you can you go like, all right, here's where that, the rise and fall of this character arc, it is still there just to serve setting up these dominoes of action scenes. Yeah, I, I just think Karen Allen, I mean, everyone talks about how great she is as Marion. And like, I think there's been some uh, some shade tossed at the other two leading ladies. There's plenty to talk about there later, too. Um, but I think there's a reason why Marion kind of stands the test of time, and the other ones maybe less so well, along she, the way. She actually has some investment in Indy as a human being. 
Yeah, which 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 helps. It's all fucked up. I mean, this movie it ends with Indy picking the arc, kinda. Are you talking about like on the steps? Well, yeah. Well, no. Uh, when he, you know, he has that big moment at the end where he can blow up the arc, and he doesn't because he wants to see inside. But you know, you could also argue that he doesn't want. He knows if he does that, then Marion's gonna get killed. And then he doesn't look at it, which is a big deal. Uh, but it doesn't feel like he really gave it up for Marion. I think it could work that as like a character flaw. And he clearly didn't end up with her by Last Last Crusade, and then Kingdom of the Crystal Skull does more with this. Uh, But that he has this flaw. I think that's actually a strength in that film. (laughs) Yeah, no, we'll we'll get to that movie when we get to it. But... Um, I guess we could just spend the rest of the time praising Karen Allen. Karen like, Allen's great. Um, what a great actress. We say Harrison Ford is fantastic in all of the Indiana Jones movies. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's easy to see why it's one of his defining roles. Like just like from his first appearance revisiting this again, it's like yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's probably one of the best like introductions in cinematic history. Mm. Well, yeah, I don't think that there's a better way to start a movie than the first, like, 15 minutes or so of Raiders. Yeah. Uh, also, shout out to Alfred Molina, Doc Ock himself. I always love seeing him when I revisit this. Uh, <laughs> I, I think you have more negative opu- like opinions on this. But I think I've also brought up that, uh, that Steve Soderbergh re-edit of Raiders of the Lost Ark in black and white. Uh-huh. It's it's set to the the soundtrack of um, the Social Network, which is not the important part of that. He just he apparently he re-edited it because he wanted to showcase to to people online, like look at like the staging and the lighting. Like don't don't focus on anything else. You could understand the film without like a single word of dialogue. And then he just put the Social Network soundtrack on that because that's a great soundtrack and it's easy to kind of jam out to. All right, good uh, for... it, it keeps keeps getting taken down because, like, yeah. When is but... <laughs> uh, when is Soderbergh gonna learn some lessons from his edit? Hey, and hey, make, make a good movie. Soderbergh is ninety percent a great filmmaker. I wouldn't go that far, but he makes good movies occasionally. He, most of the time, he does. I have not seen the Panama Papers one, and I feel okay not doing that. I liked about half of High Flying Bird. High Flying Bird is great. Stop. <laughs> you know what you learn about you learn um, when directors make heist films. What Matt? All heist films are directors telling you how they think movies get made. Oh yeah, that's true. And so you learn a lot watching those Ocean's films. Ocean's Twelve is one of the greatest movies ever made. That's something Diego just said. Yeah, and I mean it. I know, he's very proud of that one. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So is Soderbergh. Well, you know, you can see, uh, we talked about in the Close Encounters episode, how that, that's a movie kind of about uh, a filmmaker realizing a vision. Yeah. Um, and you can really, you know, I, I do feel like there's, a lot of people try to force these meta text on movies, so I'm probably forcing it here too. But that movie could be about inspiration and creating a film. I feel like Raiders is Spielberg's movie about what it takes to actually make a movie. Like, this is the day-to-day shooting of a film. And I'm not going to use clips anymore just because YouTube really is starting to fuck me on this, but uh, I would cut to the bit of Indy just getting fucking dragged 
behind the truck yeah. <laughs> on the rocks and everything. And he's driven, and it pulls him away from everything in his life to get that arc. <laughs> I mean... Yeah, yeah. He, he lets uh, he lets uh, Karen Allen remain kidnapped for that one stretch. He was almost tortured <laughs> because of Indy. Oh, yeah, that could have gone really badly. Could have. Go, yeah, it's, um, it's, I gotta leave you here. Otherwise, I'll know I'm here. And it's like... I, you totally buy into it in the moment, and then afterwards you're like, "Wait a second. Well, I mean, it's 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 meant to be like, yeah, Indy shouldn't have done that. The movie doesn't seem like it's on his side, <laughs> but uh, but also then ultimately Indy, you know, can't look at the arc, which you know could be something to the extent of a filmmaker really can't objectively look at his own film. He saw everything that went into it, and then looking at it, you know, it's not... He can't do it. You know what's... Because you're considering this a heist film, partially, then. Partially, right? partially. You know, um, I, I never once put that together in my mind, or even, like, considered it, like, tangentially. But I really like this reading of it. I just... So I, was I, just I, I like this. Yeah, I was just thinking it. I mean, um, it's probably forced. I doubt this is what Spielberg intended. <laughs> But uh, yeah, you you could you could read that into the movie. Well, I mean, that isn't that kind of the great thing about movies? Like sometimes things aren't intended, and it's just like, hey, like that's pretty neat that that was represented that way. Like you could you could walk away with that reading and be satisfied. I mean, the but, meeting you know? the meeting with the government agents is basically a script meeting. Men. Well, I mean, that's the the first meeting's the script meeting. The, the last meeting is basically like, "Hey, you made the movie, and now the studio owns it." Good luck, idiot. I don't know what the Nazis represent, though. Just actual Nazis. You know what? Like, no, they it's, just with, be fought at every. Well, time. yeah, there's there's that, of course. But Belloc represents, you know, archaeology. For Belloc is just a means to an end. He's just he'll do anything to he'll compromise in every way just to get the ark. And Indy's like, no, it re- it requires hard work. So Belloc could be the like sellout filmmaker. No, I was gonna he, say he's, he's like the Brett Ratner. Yeah, basically, he's the journeyman filmmaker. He'll do anything, work with anyone. And Indy's like, I won't work with the Nazis. It'll be more difficult because I'm not only am I not working with the Nazis, but I'm actively working against them. And it'll be more difficult, but in the end, it will be worth it. And then the movie ends by saying, No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I completely buy that though. That ending take. Well, well, I, what I'm saying is the movie itself isn't, but you have to somehow enjoy the journey. You have to get you at what you have to get out of being a filmmaker isn't the prize at the end; it's the work. And for someone who's obsessed with his craft, Spielberg seems like a guy who really, really loves doing the work. I, I can definitely buy that reading more so. Uh, and if you really want to like start like honing in on like the film itself more, um, like the sequels obviously kind of like put this a little bit, so that's important to acknowledge too. But like then life itself, like for Indy, would be like spending it with Marion, you know, spending time with like another human being that he connects with, mm-hmm. instead of chasing like more stuff like the Ark. But again, I understand that doesn't work so well when you like factor in the other films well you could even it doesn't even have to be that he ends up with her forever it's just you know you make because it's a collaborative process so those fleeting human connections 
are what's really important. That's a pretty. Po- I am surprised at how good this conversation has turned out. I just. Because... Pull, I, I, I want people to know though. I'm pulling this right out of my ass. <laughs> yeah, but like. But what is this? Isn't like an invalid conversation. But this what is, like is a genuine conversation? You know, what is filmmaking or criticism but archaeology? <laughs> Wow. I'm not even joking. Like No, I know. Like uh, this is like good. Cuz art is never finished. It's abandoned. But we we oh, discover that's a fucking it. Ridley Scott. We discover it, you know? And then we we pick the pieces apart, we like clean it up and then we try to figure out well, what did it mean? And then that we we learn to make other and things. And right now the problem is that people are just digging up the same old bones. Yeah, well, and, and that also whole other like world out there to Bel- discover still. Belloc has that speech in the middle of the movie where he's got the he's got the watch. I think it's a watch, right? It's and, a watch, yeah. It's yeah, a yeah. Watch. And he's a pocket watch and he's like, this is wor- you know, this is worthless, it's not worth anything, but if you bury it in the sand and they find it in a hundred years, it'll be a priceless artifact. And it's, it's the same could be said of films. <laughs> I mean, films look a lot better in retrospect than they do at the time when they come out really. I don't think, you know, critics miss the boat on film sometimes when they give a movie that became popular later. I think sometimes it takes that looking back and going like, oh, actually, looking at the movie now in a different context, you can actually see it saying something that probably wasn't as apparent at the time. Wow. And Belloc in um, that scene, of course, is like, he's, that's what his, his reasoning is like, and that's why event, it, all art is essentially meaningless, so just do it for the profit. And he's like, nope. There's value in that. But also, like, there's a madness to Indiana Jones that I don't think is touched on in the other two films. It's kind of only in this one. Uh, and I mean, every director wants to think they're a madman. I mean, that's just the truth. <laughs> uh, I would argue Crystal Skull acknowledges maybe not a total madman aspect of Indy, but that there's something to him that maybe he needs to kind of hang up for a little bit. <laughs> Remind me to make this point that maybe there's some similarities between Kingdom of the Crystal Skull and the Irishman. Okay, sure, I'll write it down right now. <laughs> you leave this in, though. I want people to know that I'm setting that up. Okay. <laughs> you know, this is actually a pretty good sequel to our Close Encounters discussion, then. Yeah. Because we had that whole part about, like, maybe that rogue 70s era New Hollywood filmmaking wasn't as, like, riveting as exciting or like as aspirational as it's made out to be but the stuff that came from it could still like bring joy and inspiration to other people and that movie to go back to it i'm not sure if i brought it up in the episode but like i realized richard dreyfus's breaking onto the you know um ufo landing strip is basically spielberg when he broke onto the nbc studio and pretended to have an office there for weeks Oh, fucking God. So. Wow. You're just pulling out hits today. So this is like the thematic sequel to Close Encounters is what I'm saying. Well, hey, you know what? That movie is about like... I can't pull it out of my ass. But like, okay, there there is like a, a connective tissue that you could bring those two together. Where that film is like about the knowledge of like um, communication... This one's about like the knowledge of faith. You you could you could form something there. Yeah. Well, that's the movie where you get the spark of an idea and you're driven by that idea to try and realize it in some way. And this movie is actually making the idea. 
And we, you know, at the, both those movies end with like glowing lights. And he cross, he crosses, he, um, Richard Dreyfus crosses into the mothership in the end, which I, I think I said in the last episode was kind of like going into the movie screen. And instead of this one, the lights come out and attack you. <laughs> well, no, no. Close Encounters is about how like Spielberg wants to embrace that aspect yeah. of it. He still, he still, um, romanticizes that aspect of filmmaking this one he realizes that there's a line that can't be crossed and he has to respect it i guess i'm Otherwise, not sure if he does though him. i'm not sure if he does no, no 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 i i am this is like a completely like distant reading of the film i just think uh the it kills all the nazis in the end because what else would kill the nazis other than art are you saying we should defeat Nazis in the marketplace of ideas? Um, no. We okay, should, good. I was like, shit. What we is, should uh, defeat them in the marketplace of bats half price. But, <laughs> but you know, like, it's... You extinguish those sorts of thoughts. I mean, this is like the, you know, sexy filmmaker idea of, like, if you make a movie powerful enough, it can change minds and stuff like that. And, you know, I, I, I'm skeptical how much it does these days, but it definitely imparts certain things, and I do think it shines a light, literally, on some of the worst aspects of our society at times. Now, that's a really beautiful message, Matt. I know. This, this, this is a really good... <laughs> this took a turn for the better. There you go. Thank you. I unfortunately did not get to mention um, John Reese Davies' Sala. Oh, yeah, whom I love, but is also kind of a racist caricature. Of course, there's a lot of racism in these movies. Yeah. I mean, that's where they don't age well. Again, I'm saving it for Temple of Doom because it's just easier to point out there. Yeah, that's the one everyone brings up, and it's like, I agree, but let's take a look at the others for a second. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's it's not just Temple of Doom. Yeah. It's like that's where it's just obvious for for uh white people. I am the monarch of the sea. I am the ruler of the That's and it. Uh, the... Yep, bad dates. They kill a monkey. The monkey's a Nazi. <laughs> <laughs> this movie's so fucking awesome that there's a Nazi monkey. That's so odd. And that's not what guided our conversation. This is the man who will direct Schindler's list. <laughs> Um, I also like I love the actor playing the Gestapo agent um, Arnold Tott or whatever his name is oh with the he's doing the, he's doing uh, shoot the Peter them, shoot them both yeah the he's doing a Peter Laurie impression but he's fantastic oh my god yeah that's like one of the great cinematic henchmen was that guy that guy never really became like a huge character actor though which feels odd that feels like wrong like it yeah. feels like a mistake like no you that's not right. <laughs> but yeah, you know, he's so good. I mean, there's a reason his, like, GIF is iconic. I mean, even his, you know, like... Not just because, like, his death, but, like, people people know that character. But even him moving around is so good. <laughs> like, there's just the scene where they're digging at Tannis, where uh, the three main villain leads are all walking around, and just the way that guy's moving, the choices he's making, he, he's so captivating. And he's, like, the biggest scumbag, too. <laughs> He's almost like a like a Grim Reaper type. Like when he shows up, like there's a presence. 
Do you know the two actors who were considered for that role? No, but I feel like you're about to blow my mind. Klaus Kinski. Oh, fuck. Um, But he he hated the script. He called it, like, moronic and shit. Oh, well, he... Even Werner Herzog was like, yeah, he's a pain to work with, but I love his art. Oh, yeah, Klaus Kinski was... is uh, There's legit information out there about him being a monster of a human being. <laughs> and debatable on if the other choice was the bigger monster. Oh, no. Because the other choice was Roman Polanski. <laughs> oh, no. A post-scandal Roman Polanski. Uh, you know... It does suck that he's such a shitty human being. Yeah. Because, like, his little cameo in Chinatown, like... Well, yeah, that's where they probably got it from. Really he, is, he is great in that one moment. Um, yeah. And it, he's he's great in his films and not in real life where he's awful. Yes. Where he should also be defeated in the place of Bat's half off or whatever the fuck you yeah. said. Sure. Good, good, good callback. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it's good to call back to something you half remember. What? <laughs> Just beat the shit out of Roman Polanski and Nazis. There yeah, yeah. Fuck them. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess this is wrap up other yeah, highlights. Yeah. Fa- favorite favorite part. <laughs> favorite part of the movie. I don't know. That's you a tough one. one. I do love the ending. Um, and I feel like there's an ending you couldn't really do today. Not just because it's so violent. <laughs> but because... It doesn't end with the hero punching the bad guy. It ends with the hero going, oh, wait, no, don't. Let's just, if we don't do anything, we win. <laughs> and that's how they win. Which, all right, another thing. We got to point out that the people who do that thing where they're like, hey, if Indy hadn't have done anything in Raiders of the Lost Ark, it would have actually been a good thing. And that's some fucking bullshit. I hate that take. Because it's, like, boring? Well, no, it's just, it doesn't make any, I mean, they they say in the movie, like, they, the Nazis would have found the Ark. I, I think it's stupid to be like, they wouldn't have found it without Indy's help. <laughs> yeah, whatever. You know, you know what take I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, like, this might be kind of a stretch, but, like, it, it reminds me of, we talked about in Dark Knight episode, but, like, when people are like, if you take out the Joker from the Dark Knight, the movie's boring. And it's like, yeah, no fucking shit. There's no movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, oh, you can take Batman out of Batman Begins? <laughs> you fucking... Like, that's so fucking stupid. Sense is like broken people's brains. I guess, yeah. I, I feel and, like it... And, and I want to say, because that, that sounds a little cynical, I don't think it's something we can't come back from. I, I, I complain a lot about that. But, like, I, I don't think it's impossible to come back from this. I just think that I think... really, like bad faith criticism has no place in these discussions. I think everyone goes through a phase like it. I mean, because you start... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there's nothing wrong with... I mean, maybe a little wrong. But, like, everyone kind of just like, oh, you're discovering YouTube videos for the first time. You know? And, like, that could lead you down, like, some really shitty places. Like, oh, I'm obsessed with fucking Jeremy Johns now. And then you, like, you spend more than, like, an hour watching his videos. And you're like, I don't get it. <laughs> I I wasted four years of my life watching Nostalgia Critic videos. I'm not proud of it, but I probably spent the same amount of time, too. I used to watch Jeremy John's a lot. I'm saying, like, I'm making fun of it, but, like, I I watched... I was a fan at one point. It's a good... It's a a foot in the door for people who actually want to learn 
about movies. Unfortunately, now we have a lot of bad faith actors who, when it's being pointed out now that that's bad criticism, they have a lot invested in bad criticism. And that that's not even getting into the people who are, you know, terrified of the boogeyman that they call cultural Marxism, which is their way of shutting down just any criticism. And then those are the people that posit that art is an objective science. Which, bring it back to the movie, I believe cultural Marxism was a Nazi conspiracy. <laughs> so. <laughs> that's a great 180. I mean, 360. Excuse me. Just, uh, yeah, they... Uh, I believe they were the ones who came up with, you know, basically going like the, you know, the Jewish control dogma of the press, which thankfully no one believes anymore. Thankfully, we didn't, uh, we, we don't have a sitting president who complains about people like George Soros or something. Mm, God. Uh, anyways, any other favorite parts of Raiders of the Lost Ark? I mean, it, yeah, I like the movie. That's it. I, I really... It's I could just go like every scene is good. I don't think there's a bad scene in the movie in terms of like exciting and well done. It would be more difficult to pick. What is a bad scene in this movie? Yeah, crickets. Just just fucking crickets. Um, everyone knows it now, but like I remember when I watched it when I was younger. Like it was early on in my in my life. Like I had only seen it a couple times at this point, and I remember catching the fly going to Belloc's mouth. And I just remember freaking out because I had never noticed it before. And I was like eight <laughs> or nine by this point. And I was like, what? What? Like my brain couldn't comprehend like that. A mistake like that could happen. Well, not even a mistake. Just a funny thing, you know, like that that could happen in a in a film production, in a professional production. And so I just that like fucked me up in a fun way for a while. <laughs> right, if I have to pick two things I don't like. One is uh, the racism. <laughs> Well, okay. Well, I'm uh, gonna do that. Uh, yeah, I just, I just. Well, I mean, specifically that opening. Uh, he's literally being chased by like quote unquote savages, mm-hmm. which is not not the best moment. But I do like Belloc's little. Yeah, yeah. Belloc. I, I used to do that. There's, I mean, Belloc, there's lots of little moments I used to mimic a lot from this film. At least it kind of is like they're not savages in the sense that they're just gonna kill. Indiana Jones, but uh, they're being manipulated by a guy, but it's also suggesting they're very easily manipulated. Yeah, like, and, even trying to, like, justify it, you really have to bend over backward. Yeah, it and still at, positions the, them at the end of the day, they're both stealing it. Mm-hmm. Indiana Jones is going to put it in a museum. That's that belongs only... in a museum! Which, does again, he say that return in... to. Does he say that in this movie, or is that only said in Last Crusade? Oh, you know what? Let me look it up because I remember him saying it in this movie, but I couldn't tell you where. So hang yeah. on a second. Let's let, let's let's check that out because that is an iconic Indiana Jones line. Like that's probably the one big one, you know. Oh, good TV tropes. All right, let's just not. <laughs> you know, I'm just kidding. Let's just stop. We'll just assume he said it in this movie. <laughs> oh, and the other scene I don't really like. Um, I feel like the, when they end up on the boat towards the end, which has a good character moment of them. Uh, that's when they finally open up to each other. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I find that boat a little boring. But it's only like that's like five minutes, so <laughs> that's it. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It it is just said in the Last Crusade. I I, I don't think it's said in Raiders. Okay. And we talk about and definitely and, not Temple of Doom. 
And I talked about this being nonstop action, but there are large chunks of the movie where it's just Indiana Jones solving puzzles, which is also a ton of fun. And of course, that's the big inspiration for stuff like Tomb Raider, which is, of course, like one of the biggest video game franchises, and Uncharted, which is just Indiana Jones, but for video games. Uh, and of course, like you brought up earlier, the Mummy franchise, uh, except the Tom Cruise one, which is less. Yes, which is, more which is a movie dumb. that exists. Yeah. Dark Universe. I just want to say, like, everyone tried to put the blame on Tom Cruise for that one. And he's like, you know, say what you will about, like, the man. There's a conversation to be had there. But, like, he's notoriously (laughs) one of the best producers, like, in Hollywood for action movies. That movie was clearly taken away from him. Like, it's it's it just reeks of, like, generic studio interference, not Tom Cruise interference. (laughs) But anyway. Also, it also speaks of being directed by Alex Kurtzman. Yeah, like, come on. It's it's not rocket science, guys. Which I believe even Kurtzman has said, like, at the end of that production, he's like, I don't ever want to direct a movie again. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> I, I, I think he's done. But hey, he's got Star Trek now. Not anymore. Didn't he, he's, he, he left, like, halfway through the first season of Picard. Oh, wait, really? I think so. I think I remember reading that. Oh, I, I thought he was still, like, in charge of, like, all the productions. That's why. I think his name might be on it. Okay, but I that think would he, be he, nice. But he has less power. Yeah. Um, yeah. Lots, lots of great shit in this movie. That boat scene is probably a little boring just because we have, like, three of the best action scenes in a row, like, right before that. Yeah, like, in, an, in another movie, that's the climax. Because, man, it is crazy to think it goes right from the airstrip fight into the chase. (laughs) That's nuts. Yeah. I don't know, I'm making it up as I go. Yeah, that airstrip fight is, like, just Spielberg fucking showing off. (laughs) Yeah, oh my god, okay. It's probably not, like, my favorite cinematic fight scene ever. Like, if I really took the time to think about it, like, for more than five minutes... But the fight with the tall German henchman and Indiana Jones, when I used to have, like, bundles of action figures and toys and, like, smashing dinosaurs together as a kid, like, in middle school, I would replicate that fight every time. Like, that is such a fun fight scene. Yeah. And the the propeller uh, chopping him to bits at the end, like, that is just... That's cinema right there. I do love that that guy's just like, hey, I just want to fight you. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> he just he's like off to the side and he just comes in the box of the guy. It's the simplest best movie ever. Yeah, it's it's yeah. yeah, I guess the beauty of this film is the simplicity. Yeah. Once a film becomes here's, too here's complex, the... anything can go wrong. Yeah, here's the takeaway I think people should have from Raiders. Move on and do different things, acknowledge that it's fantastic. And has some uh, cultural issues in terms of representation and, like, shit. <laughs> but um, if you want to learn how to make quality action movies or you really want to study action films, it ain't a bad one to take apart scene by scene and just look at what's being conveyed, like, moment to moment. Exactly. Like, y- y- there's a lot to learn from this movie, and people should stop trying to replicate it there you go that's my take and i want people to know i just looked down at my notes to see if there's anything i wanted to talk about and i thought i wrote something down here's how bad my handwriting is i thought i wrote all the nails pie 
And I'm like, what the fuck does that mean? And I looked at it more closely and I wrote, all the Nazis die. You're not wrong on the second part. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> all nails pie. That's going to be in the description of this. All the nails pie. All the na- I'm write it down. All the nails pie. There we go. And that's Raiders of the Lost Ark. Thank you for saving this episode, Matt. After I tried to destroy it. Yeah, you know what? It's a it's a growing process. It's a healing process. That's what it is. Much like we need to come together as a nation. <laughs> and we need to stop being so divided all the time. Heroes on both sides. No, that is absolutely not true here. <laughs> so do you think the opening crawl of Star Wars films are propaganda? Um... No, I don't actually. That's why it says hero on both heroes on both sides. No, no, I don't. I'm at Emperor OTN at twitter.com. And you can follow me at the twitter.com slash the Diego Crespo, the Waffle Press on YouTube, SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, Twitter, and Patreon, where you can listen to a bunch of these early now. Thanks for listening, thanks for watching. Check out the rest of Happy Amblin. We have been professionally unprofessional. Thank you.